Welcome to Ono, oh Ross, and Carrie, the show where we don't just report on French science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal, but take part ourselves. Yep, when they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. I'm Carrie Poppy. Hi, Carrie. Oh, hey, Ross. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm okay. Yesterday I was feeling a little sick, but today I'm doing a little better. I'm glad to hear that. Thank you. That you were doing better. Thank you. I'm Ross Blotcher, and I'm feeling fine too. Oh, good. And we are back at Contact in the Desert, part of Whoa. our summer of UFOs. Whoa. And this is Saturday evening. We have listened to, well, I was with Giorgio A. Sukalos mm-hmm. having a visit with Giorgio. Yes, and I was with Corey Good, who was part of a secret UFO experimentation program. And then we got dinner that we had finally found. You'd found there was a vegan burger being made by one of the vendors on the far side of the vendor booths. And right. that was awesome. So we kept going back for that. It was so close to us the whole time when we had driven all over Kingdom Come to try <laughs> to find any veggie food. And it was right there on the lot. I had also had a slice of cheese pizza. There were these giant slices of cheese pizza. So my mouth was slightly burnt from the hot, fresh cheese pizza. There were also rumors of vegan pizza at that truck. But every time I went, they were mm. like, oh, yeah, we have it. Just not right now. Yeah. I, I see what's going on. Mm-hmm. So now that everybody knows what we had eaten. We went back for more lectures and I first went to, I think we both went down to the Forbidden Archaeology panel at first. Yes. Ancient Civilizations and their Stellar Connections panel. And uh, the host was Jimmy Church. Now that's literally Stellar Connections, not like Stellar Connections, but Jimmy like Church. Connections to Stars. Correct. Right. Yeah. And so I think you left shortly after we got there. We were yeah. already a bit late. After a few minutes, I was like, I cannot follow this. And this is a thing for Ross. It was covering a lot of material we'd heard before. This was more ancient alien stuff, and we'd heard a lot about ancient aliens at this point. So I let you stay there. Stay. Stay good. (laughs) And I went to another talk. So I'll let you cover this one and then I'll tell you about where I went. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I remember at first I was just thinking, okay, well, this all sounds like fairly straightforward stuff. They're talking about like the blocks of the Sphinx, like the blocks that were used to create the Sphinx, that they were pre-cut in their contours so that then you would assemble them and they would make the Sphinx, Mm -hmm. which is cool. Like, okay, that's neat but it didn't sound like too much of an extraordinary claim to me. And they were saying other things, so I wasn't really writing too much down at this point. But then they got to this point where they talked about the A word. Oh, archaeology? That would make sense. Apple? A word that will get you in trouble if you... Ass? Asshole. If you show interest in this A word, you will be shunned by those in archaeology. Okay. And declared... Suppressive? Asinine. Astrophysics. Abrogation. Atlantis. Yes, Atlantis. (gasps) Of course. So that is the A word, that if you start talking about Atlantis in archaeological (gasps) circles, you'll get shunned. Oh, right. You'll get laughed out of academia. Some of them were coming out as, I admit it. Believers. Yeah, I'm a believer in Atlantis. And I think one of the, the men on the panel, I think it was Robert Schock. S-C-H-O-C-H, Shoke, 
Let's see. Robert Shoke, a full-time faculty member at Boston University since 1984. He's a PhD, and he seems pretty legit. Whoa. Yeah, he earned his PhD in geology and geophysics at Yale. I'm pretty sure it was him who said that, yeah, that's it. I'm going to come out as being an Atlantis believer. Whoa. I got to say, like, there's something about his face I immediately liked. I looked at that guy's like, he looks so friendly. Yeah, I see that. He's got cute apple cheeks. Actually, he looks like he could be a relative of Drew's. Oh, really? Yeah, take a look at that and think about Drew. I mean, Drew's cuter. Yeah, like if you mix Drew and Jeff Bridges. Oh, yeah, Drew and Jeff Bridges, and then definitely older. I mean, he's he's more Jeff Bridges' age than Drew's age. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh uh-huh. Anyway, I instantly like this guy. So they were all talking about how perilous it is to say anything about Atlantis. And from my understanding of Atlantis... Plato, when he initially discussed it, painted it as an allegory. It, right. It was never intended to be like a real factual place, but that has And Plato was pretty into allegories. Right. Uh-huh. It's uh, kind of his bag. So ever since then- uh, And by bag, I mean a non-literal thing. <laughs> Very good allegory. <laughs> Thank you. So speaking of Atlantis, uh, it seems ever since then, numerous thinkers, both in armchairs and on boats and expeditions, have tried to locate what could possibly be Atlantis sunken into the ocean. And so then they mentioned the other A word that is also controversial to talk about. Okay, here we go. Oh, here goes Gary. Antediluvian. Well, the the beginning was close. Okay. Antediluvian. Ant. Anterior (laughs) bottom. Keep doing what you're doing. Antel... Antum... Ant... Ant. Ant. (laughs) (laughs) Anti... Nope. Antu. <laughs> no. Anti. Nope. Antia. No. Antu. Antar. Antarctica. There you go. Yes. Antarctica. I'm a pretty good guesser. You are. That was impressive. <laughs> Thank you. So that's the other big A word that you can't use in archaeology. And that got a cheer from you the know, audience. I'm going to go ahead and say you can say Antarctica in archaeology. Well. People aren't going to freak out. Well, I, I think the reason the audience was cheering over this was because they there think are, some suspicious stuff is going up down there. Right. Antarctica itself is quite possibly Atlantis buried because it got shifted when the Earth's tilt got shifted. That mm-hmm. seems to be one of the theories floating around here. Mm-hmm. Or it It could be some other sunken island. One of the guys on the panel, Andrew Collins, I think has a book where he's talking about Atlantis being under the Caribbean. Oh, okay. Maybe being tied to Cuba or the Bahaman archipelago. Okay. That's interesting. I'd like to hear more about that. I don't think he talked about it on this panel. That certainly is a thing you can say. Those are words. So those were the forbidden terms if you talk about Atlantis or Antarctica. You're uh, setting yourself up for a lot of grief. Graham Hancock was on this panel. (gasps) Graham Hancock. Yeah, he's well-respected in that community, has written some popular books. Yeah, he's also well-known for having been sort of sidelined by TEDx. Oh, that's right. He was saying that he doesn't believe that there's like this big conspiracy amongst archaeologists where they're trying to suppress things. Uh, They're sincere, but they're just wrong. And you just need to kind of wait for this older generation of archaeological fuddy-duddies to die off. And then you'll get this undercurrent of new, fresh ideas getting heard in the archaeological community. Actually, I was there for this part, and I thought that 
that was actually one of the more reasonable things said mm-hmm. was because people were kind of trying to pin him down on, well, do you think they're evil? Do you think they're hiding this? And he was like, no, I think most of them are completely sincere. They just don't agree with us. Yeah. And I thought, okay. Yeah, that's, that's fine. That's much more rational than like everyone's involved in this cover up except for us. Uh, Andrew Collins jumped in. He said that uh, the Smithsonian has actively been hiding the bones of giants found in the Americas, like human giants. So Jimmy Church then chimed in and said, did the Smithsonian throw them in the ocean? (laughs) And I think the answer to that was no. But he said, no, they're just, they're like the backs of museums and no one ever gets to see them and like they don't answer questions about them. Okay. Very interesting. Jimmy Church did ask a good question though, which is, how tall are they? How tall are we talking about? Uh, The answer to that was six, seven feet, even eight feet tall. Some of these human giants. Where does this information come from? Like with all these people, I'm just like, and how do we know? How do we know this? Where's this from? Where are you getting this? That's a good question. But I would like to see these skeletons that are hiding in the back of all of our natural history museums. Yeah. Which museums? Can Uh I see them? Tell me more. Right. I'd love to see them. Hope they see the light of day. That's a real thing. When I was working for a science organization, one time I gave a talk for kids And I said, one thing you can always ask yourself and other people is, how do you know? Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is a key question here. That is a great question. How do you know this? How do you know that? Another panelist, Robert Boval, Boval, he said he also agrees there's no conspiracy, but he feels there's just a general lack of curiosity. He mentioned, for example, like there's this door in the pyramid. And I think I encountered this in a previous talk where they showed like this video going inside of the pyramid and they got way far in with this robot and then found oh there's another wall and then they couldn't get past that and apparently that's just sat there as a mystery for lo these many years since he's like how did they not just immediately go find a way to get in there there's just this lack of curiosity in Mm. archaeology i think that was in nick pope's talk that we saw that other video Ah, okay. So at about this time, I actually tried to bail out to go to another talk. So I thought, oh, we're covering similar ground to what we've talked about at other talks. And I went over to the sanctuary because there was going to be a talk on the binary solar system. Uh, Okay, you must be talking about a solar system we don't live in. Because obviously, our solar system has one sun in it. Nope, because Jason Martell's lecture was titled, The New Planet X Model. We have two suns. That's we, that's us. That's our solar system. Oh, we have two suns. So he's talking about how he has two human suns. Nope, he's... nope, because it's spelled S-U-N-S. But we don't have two suns. We have one sun. Mm, well, not according to Jason Martell. So I tried to go over there because I thought, well, this will be exciting. There was still supposed to be another 50 minutes left in his lecture, and the sanctuary was completely empty. No one was there. No one was inside. No one was lined up. And I went up to one of the, the people with like the conference shirts and said, is this still happening? And they said, oh, he's done already. Oh. And I thought, okay, well, that's weird. Like, we haven't run into any speakers that don't fill yeah, up that their early? time slot and more. I mean, this was only a two-hour time slot. How strange. So, yeah, I'm not sure what happened there. I feel like there's got to be more to that story. Okay, maybe he was following a sundial that was in, mm, in the alignment wrong sun. with the other sun. Gotcha. That would not make sense, but you never know. You never this know. Conference. So I was bummed. I uh, went back to the archaeology panel and uh, they were talking about various persecution of professors and saying that even being tenured isn't necessarily going to protect you from this kind of scrutiny for using A words or talking about ancient aliens to add two more A words. Mm-hmm. So did the guy who works at Boston University and has his PhD from Yale, did he explain why he's still on the staff at a university if it's oh. so? 
such chaos we said that he is tenured and so that's some protection but he also didn't want to make it sound like he has it too easy okay like that still he gets a lot of scrutiny and you get passed up for promotions and certain other things as a result so there's even at that level there's some form of persecution Uh, but then he got a big applause for saying that he's not ashamed and that we really need to convince these closed-minded skeptics of how things really are all right and that was pretty much it for the panel there and i waited around for the tibetan singing bowls Ooh boy yeah but i want to hear what happened on your side okay well i went over to the lotus room the creepiest room in town yeah i only saw that briefly on the last day it is creepy that place is weird there's all these little booths leading off the side of the main room Mm -hmm. that i guess are made for meditation yeah meditation they almost feel like where you would give your confession to a priest except Mm. there aren't two halves there's only your half but it has that kind of feel yeah there's a bunch of them they have they were either like red or yeah like burgundy curtains velvet curtains that would draw in front of them and give you some privacy but obviously not soundproof Mm -hmm. the room itself had like some sacred geometry in it and it just i don't know just feels like a great place for a mass suicide yes that or some sort of occultic ceremony anyway it was there and this talk was given by a guy named brad olson and i had seen brad olson once before he gave a question at Whitley Strieber's talk. Oh, yeah. So he's a tall guy, quite tall, over six feet, of course, white, and blonde-haired. And his talk is called Everything is Fake, The Top 10 Biggest Deceptions. Ooh. Yeah. So when I came in there, I was a little bit late, so I missed a couple of the biggest deceptions. So everything is fake, but here's the top 10. Right. He was already like really revved up and he has a very panicked sort of energy. Hmm. Okay. So as I'm walking in, he was talking to his cell phone and this is part of his presentation. Like he's, Hmm. he's got his cell phone out and he's saying, I know that the CIA bugs my cell phone. And this isn't a bit like (laughs) he, he really seems to think that the CIA has bugged his cell phone. And he says to his phone, which is off, hi, CIA. Are you listening? Are you listening to me? Like really quite angrily like that. Hmm. And as he said it, his slideshow clicked off Mm. and the whole Uh. room is like. (gasps) Correlation. And (laughs) exactly. So a guy in the back, some IT guy like comes to the front and tools with his computer and the slideshow clicks back on. It was just some glitch in the system. Is he wearing an NSA shirt? He's not. Oh. In fact, I believe he's wearing a contact in the desert shirt. Mm. But then everyone around me is just like, that was too weird. Did you see that? Did you catch that? That was too weird. But he just puts his phone back in his pocket. Like, if you think the CIA is bugging you, get rid of your freaking cell phone, man. Yeah. What happens when the battery runs out? Do they still monitor everything you say? Good question. If they're doing it while the phone is off? Because I'm just wondering about battery management. I, but I keep... Just thinking, if you really believe this, why are you carrying this around at all? That's true. How do you have that behavior and that belief at the same time? Right. It so would do be you so really, easy to get rid of it. Do you really believe that? Right. Exactly. If I thought the CIA was bugging this coffee cup here, mm-hmm. I would get rid of it. Seriously. So strange. Anyway, so his next point was that money is fake. Now, I don't know what his previous points were because I was missing them, but hmm. there's no explanation for why money is fake. But then he pulled out his wallet and showed you how it was empty because <laughs> why do I need this stuff? Right. I think it was just assumed that we would know money is fake because it's 
symbolic. That's a favorite talking point amongst conspiratorial crowds in general, just in that money is not backed by any standard. No longer has like the gold standard. Right. So he says, you should be stockpiling gold. You should be stockpiling silver. You should be stockpiling beans and rice. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. Beans Um, and rice. All right. Beans and rice. Because at some point we're going to have a barter economy again. Sure. And then he says, you need something called a Berkey water filter. Yeah, what? Berkey water filter. So I've looked this up. This water tastes Berkey. (laughs) It's just a brand of water filter that apparently does better on water filtration tests than your standard Brita or your pure water filter. It's just sort of the top of the line water filtration system. Does it get rid of fluoridation? Someone asked that and he said it does. Excellent. Yes. I am not going to invest in that. Then he goes on, the stock market is fake. The cabal fixes the stock market. Oh, cabal, he's been token that David Wilcock joint. (laughs) Exactly. No, he just starts flying through these points. He doesn't even have to explain to us why these things are fake. Well, geez, buddy, you've got 10 points and you've got two hours. I know. Well, there's a lot of Q&A at the end of this. Ah, okay. Okay, so the UFO narrative is fake, which is to say that UFOs are real. Unpack that for me. So the narrative we're given about UFOs is fake. Ah, saying that they're fake. Right. It's fake that they're fake. Right. Which means they're real. Which means they are real. Got it. Reverse psychology. Even the universe is fake. What, because it's a simulation? Because it's a simulation (gasps) because Elon Musk said so. And then he puts a picture of Elon Musk up. And then he says, but this is just a maybe we're not sure. And then he moves on. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) What? Okay. Then he says, this is my favorite one. Even years are fake. How do we know this, Ross? Oh, the Battle of 1997? No. Oh. Because- I was hoping that would come back. Of leap year. Because we've had to skip time to keep up with a common calendar? Maybe. That was his entire argument. Okay. So there are leap years where we add an extra day. Uh Uh-huh. And therefore- The year- is fake. All right. Next point. Going on to my next point. Does he just not know how that works? Like why we need to compensate every now and then? I guess so. Okay. I think I was trying to follow what that logic might be. I the, think the year was, is a human construct that doesn't perfectly describe the solar. I think and that's what he was Earth thinking motions. was like, well, if it were really supposed to represent our time going around the sun, then it should be perfectly equal each time. Except that we created the concept before we had a perfect understanding. But if if it really were perfect, then we wouldn't have to add that extra day. But he just doesn't spell this out at all. He's cool. ju- he just gives you this bullet point. Okay, what else is fake? Human origins are fake. Okay. And then I'm like, oh, okay, let's hear about that. And then he says, but you have to go to my workshop tomorrow morning to hear about that. What? You've got two hours right now, buddy. Yeah. Okay. Then he says, wake up. You got to be real. You got to be true. And then he just starts giving us like sort of a pep talk. Oh, hey. Okay. Were you inspired to be real and true? No, I was freaked out. Like this guy has the most panicked energy. It really felt like being in the room with a doomsday prepper, you know? Weird. Yeah. It was really intense. Huh. Okay. So then he goes into Q&A. So one person asked, could the purpose of chemtrails be to block our view of UFOs? And he says, yes. Next question. (laughs) Oh, I hadn't heard that one before. (laughs) Me neither. They're so skinny. How would they block our view of UFOs? Maybe cumulatively over time. Oh, maybe. And aren't UFOs usually flying lower than that? And they move. I mean, they'd have to, I guess they'd have to move exactly along the trajectory of the chemtrail. Oh, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense, Ross. Okay. And then someone came up and didn't ask a question. They were just like, 
I just have to add that doctors are fake. You know, like the whole medical community is a fraud. And he said, yep, absolutely. Medicine is fake. Doctors are fake. Great point. What, <laughs> what aspect? That's it. Doctors are fake. Okay, right. cool. Okay, then someone else comes what? up. <laughs> you know? What does that mean? Like- I don't know. He really believes everything is fake. At what point of spending years and years in medical school and residency and getting into debt do you sign on to harm the world? What's fake? I don't get it. I don't know. You're trying to help people using the best evidence available. That's all fake. What does that mean? You've just spent more time thinking about this than he has in those 30 seconds. Goodness. Okay. Okay. Next question. 9-11 is fake, right? Thermite. Oh, sure. I mean, I just summarized that. But yeah, they were just like- the tone of it. Yeah, yeah. The 9-11, right? I mean, there's too many unanswerables and thermite and, you know, controlled demolition. Building seven. Oh, yeah. Someone kept calling it building six, by the way. Oh, oops. Um, So he says, oh, yeah. Okay. Listen. Lots of the 9-11 stuff is patently fake. It's clearly a controlled demolition. I think everyone in this room knows that. I didn't even bother to include it. (laughs) Oh, that's just assumed. I would love it if he just turned around and he said, but vaccines are actually quite helpful. Everyone here (laughs) should be vaccinated. Vaccinate your kids. It's funny you you mentioned that, Ross, because I had missed the first few, but afterward I met a woman outside by the bathroom and I asked her what I missed. And she said, oh yeah, well, you know, he started out with just some basic stuff like GMOs and vaccines, the stuff that we all go in kind (laughs) of. knowing of course of course those of course and then at this point a bunch of people just start shouting out comments about 9-11 so it just becomes this 9-11 truth or meaning for a couple minutes wow yep yeah you told me about this afterward people just started shouting over each other Uh and it turned into this cacophony of angry noises yeah from a wild audience yep that sounds fantastic yeah it was pretty good and he had completely lost the room he didn't have any control (laughs) did that make him more panicked or less (laughs) no no he was in his element (laughs) He was pretty much like, yeah, yeah, no, you're all right. You're all right. And no one was really disagreeing. It's funny because so many of those 9-11 truthers that we met on our 9-11 truther investigation were in disagreement about how everything went down. But these people, I think, weren't deeply embedded in that way. Mm. So they didn't have deeply entrenched competing theories. Gotcha. So they were all just like, yeah, yeah, it all just doesn't add up. Yeah, and this doesn't add up. And this, and this. They were all patting each other on the back. And that was it. I'd be interested to see my cousin there. I have this cousin who I interact regularly with on Facebook, and uh, God love her. She's uh, She believes that chemtrails are a clear and present danger. Mm-hmm. She is now mm-hmm. a flat earther. Great. We didn't land on the moon. 9-11 is an inside job. Okay. And pretty much any way the government can lie to you or harm you, they have done. Vaccines are dangerous. Fluoride is dangerous, etc. But she doesn't believe in the whole aliens thing. And she thinks that's silly. At least last I heard. Does she believe that aliens exist but haven't come here? I think the whole category just seems outlandish to her. I think she thinks that's all made up. Because aliens almost certainly do exist. So I'd just be fascinated to see her at this conference and how she'd interact with all these people. But the thing that always strikes me about this is, you know, you could say on one level, like, well, what's the harm? Because none of that's real anyway. Well, obviously there's harm in avoiding vaccines. Yes. But also just like you spend so much of your life so upset, viscerally upset about these things that are completely made up. 
concerns. Uh-huh. That floors me. And it's just sad. Yeah. That's my take on it. That is sad. Well, here are some other things that are fake. Right? Okay. Oh, there's more. So someone got up and said, maybe this is a callback to earlier in the talk, but I wouldn't be surprised if it weren't. She said, are obelisks always bad? Are obelisks always bad? Because she said, there's one on Bunker Hill. I'm from Boston. And he said... <sighs> Not sure about that one, but they are always a sign of the occult. I was going to say, is it a Masonic thing? Okay. And she nodded. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whereas pyramids are always a marker of territorial claims, ah, okay. as we have learned from Linda Moulton Howe. I now, believe. what if I just made one out of some paper? Like That would, would be I a just... territorial claim. <laughs> okay, great. There was a pyramid there at the conference, just some connected pipes, essentially, oh, right. that made a large pyramid you could sit under. And I really wanted to... To sit under that pyramid and be like this is mine yeah <laughs> and make a territorial claim i yeah. guess uh, but i also thought it would be a great photo op for you and i but there was always some lady meditating under the pyramid not even the same lady but it was always some lady or another claiming every time space. i went there making a territorial claim Ugh. i know it makes me want to let a bunch of dogs pee there and be like well territorial claim Okay, so then someone said, I'm having so much trouble getting good news these days. You know, there's so much fake news, especially on like CNN, MSNBC, the usual places that used to be good. Mm. So what are some good news sites now? Gaia.com. Exactly. Okay, so he opens his mouth to answer. And this woman from the front row raises her hand and she's like, I can answer this. I'm a journalist. Okay. I'm from Canada, where we don't have as much problem with this as you guys do. The best place is freethoughtproject.com, also Natural News, Mm. The Mind Unleashed. She just lists a bunch of places that are very bad sources Mm -hmm. of news. And then she says, you know, what's really funny is there was recently a list of fake news that I forget who she said put it out, but she said, and all of my favorite sites were on it. Isn't that sad? It's just sad. It's sad what they're doing these days with this so-called fake news. Something is sad here, yes. (laughs) Then Brad said, you know what you got to do? You just use your own God-given ability of intuition and perception to decide what's real. Uh, Nope. No. Nope. No, that's the opposite of what you should do. And then the last thing that happens during the Q&A is an audience member shouted out, and then we have Bill Nye, the paid off guy. Oh, yes. People clapped for that. Yay. And then that was that was the end. And I came out and it was very dark and I had to use my cell phone flashlight to find you. Oh, did they talk about global warming? That's interesting. No, they didn't. Because I know Bill Nye, the <clears throat> paid off guy, quote unquote, is definitely written off by many just because he speaks out against climate change. I'm pretty sure it was because... Because he had pretty recently done an episode that was in favor of GMOs. Gotcha. Oh, but Ross. Ross. Oh, yes. Uh, Carrie, is it? Uh, Yes, it's me, Carrie Poppy, your Mm -hmm. co-host. Yes. I am loving this. I am loving this thing that we are discussing. It is so interesting. Oh, man, I know. We are interesting people. Mm -hmm. We are great hosts. Okay. We are funny. We are attractive. We are beautiful human beings. I feel very affirmed. But there are other good people out there making good content. Oh, man. Yeah, like the other shows on Maximum Fun. Exactly. I'm Barbara Gray. I'm Brandy Posey. And I'm Tess Barker. We're Lady to Lady. Do you want to sleep over in your ears? Is that a friend in your pocket or are you just podcast to see me? We're a portable hangout you can bring to the gym, on the subway, or on an oil rig. Seriously, we have listeners who do that. Show with us while we get high with Margaret Cho. Talk showgirls with Katya from Drag Race. And hear Broadway star Anthony Rapp sing Hamilton. I am not throwing away my shot. (laughs) I am not throwing away my shot. 
Hey, yo, I'm just like my country. I'm young, scrappy, and hungry, and I'm not throwing away my shot. That's Lady to Lady. Can you keep a secret? Neither can we. So you joined me in the amphitheater because it was time for the Tibetan singing bowls. Tibetan singing bowls. Bowls. I was really upset with myself for not bringing my own Tibetan singing bowl. But I'm glad you didn't because there were exactly 333, which as we all know is a very important number in ufology, although Mm, no one will tell us why. Uh, It's got significance though, and it's a palindrome, and it's It's in the middle of the night when you are more predisposed to having visions. Definitely, if you have a friend who's into UFOs, say, oh, does the number 333 mean anything to you? And they'll be like, oh yeah. And then then ask ask them why. Ask them what it means and see what happens. And then tell us what it means. Yeah. So I would have made it 334. Good thing we dodged that bullet. Whew. You would have screwed the whole thing up. Nothing would have happened. I was really excited because they put 70-ish of these bowls up on stage, and then the rest were arranged on the perimeter of this amphitheater. And I thought they were going to create that right sound and do it all around us i thought this is gonna be amazing right so there's a couple ways you can make a singing bowl sing mm-hmm. and the one you're already yeah there's the good one that i just referred to right. tell us of the other ways. well hang on what you're describing <laughs> you showed me visually so i'm going to explain how you did it yes so it's kind of like when you make a cup sing where you tap it on the outside of the rim and then circle it mm-hmm. you right? maintain contact with it while making a circle around the outside edge of the bowl. Right. And it's that's what's key is that you're touching the outside of it. And that raises its frequency, Carrie. Oh, raised frequency. But you can also just hit the inside and make it do this sort of low resonant sound. Yeah, or you can just bong it yeah. and hit it like a gong, uh-huh. essentially. Uh, yeah, so the man up front, who was that again? He, he had like some special Doctor. name. Doctor. Doctor Dream. Mm-hmm. Ooh, well, he sounds qualified. He's and, got a doctorate in dreaming. <laughs> and so he has a group up on stage that are playing the bowls together. And they've just got like, I don't know, seven, eight bowls in front of them each. And they're bonging one and bonging the other one and bonging. So that was happening a lot. Giorgio Sukalos, he had a set of bowls himself. And he calls all these helpers angels. Dr. Dream. Yeah, that's right. And he would say things like, angels unite. Uh-huh. Like Avengers, they would play together for a bit. <laughs> They'd done some sort of practice beforehand of how they're going to do this. And then people on the outsides would also bong theirs. But never once did they create that sustained right. harmonic sound. And I was so excited. Because you need to be kind of good at it to do that. I guess so. And you only need one to do that. So I was really excited to hear how that would sound. And right. I never got to. Instead, we all sat there while they bonged it. And in this open air arena. It Which was fine. It was fine. It was fine. But all the noise kind of escaped. Yeah, you couldn't. Into the open air. And you couldn't hear the ones like way behind you because it was just too much distance. Right. But it was a cool idea. Also, every time he wanted them to stop bonging, he said, Angels at ease, which was very militaristic. <laughs> militaristic, yeah, right. Yeah, it was weird. But I was just watching Giorgio the whole time and he had this impish grin on. <laughs> and I just thought, like, you think this is so silly. But you're having a good time. Yeah. But he had said in some which I'm other. I'm all for. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. No, I felt like you're you're me and Ross. Kindred spirit. Yeah. Yeah. You're having a great time with something you don't totally buy. But he had said in some other panels that 
but you know he's more about the nuts and bolts version of ufology right and he's just trying to open his mind to this more metaphysical stuff there we so go i really felt like he was stretching himself here and it was really fun to watch him in the back trying to go there with this group meditation where he's opening nice. himself to aliens talking through his mind oh, and dr dream was also leading us as you suggest through this meditation he was having us go from chakra to chakra as we worked from the basal chakra all the way up the spine to the crown i believe and yeah at each one he had like a little prayer or kind of a mantra thing for us to say over and over in our minds or uh, to stop and think about and then they'd go back to the bonging now just before this we got to watch a visual journey through the cosmos which was just a little video of archival footage from nasa which was kind of funny interspersed with video from different space-themed movies. Yeah. So there was footage from the movie Contact. Every space movie you can imagine. Star Wars, Star Trek, and Interstellar. Anything you can imagine, really. Any vision of space. They had cut this into this giant sizzle reel. And it it was pretty cool. And Yeah, it was a good little film. Those screens are bright. Mm -hmm. Like the screens they had, it was nighttime. And those things were blaring like the sun. Like you would just squint at the screen at times. And really loud. Yeah, and they had this really strong music to the whole video sequence. So yeah, that was that was pretty cool and at the same time overpowering. But I thought it was kind of funny. Two things. One, it clearly showed the Earth as a globe. So I kept mm-hmm. thinking, okay, well, a few of you here said the Earth is flat, but okay. Um, right, we've left out the flat earthers. Two, you keep showing footage from NASA, who a few of you keep saying is an occult organization. <laughs> right. <laughs> but okay. And then it ended with a quote from Carl Sagan yeah. from Pale Blue Dot. Which is interesting. It seems like for the most part, they like Carl Sagan. Yeah, well, who doesn't? And it's a great quote from Pale Blue Dot. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, we were all for that powerful presentation of a visual journey through the cosmos. Oh, and then at the end of this little montage, there was a projection of a UFO they had made. Oh, yes. I don't know if I've ever seen Carrie so excited. It was great. (laughs) I noticed this first because they had another screen far away and this UFO just kind of dimly appeared there. And I pointed out to Carrie. I was like, Carrie, look. And she's like, oh, my goodness, this is so great. And it's like a the little flying saucer off in the distance because it was a, a screen that was kind of, yeah, like off to the side. And so then they would have music playing in the foreground near us. And it was that tune from Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Do, 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 do. Exactly. It went back and forth between the close-up sound playing that and then the alien UFO in the background doing that same thing. It was a really cool show. It was great. I got to say, that was some awesome stagecraft there. Yeah, it might as well have been a senior dog. Ah, because of how excited Carrie was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Actually, I take that back. As soon as I said that, I felt a little guilty because a senior dog would be better. But... Don't pull your eyes at me. (laughs) But it was like, if a senior dog is 10, that was a nine. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that's still pretty impressive on the carry scale. I don't know what I'd compare it to, but it was fantastic. Well, a senior dog is a 10 for you, right? Nope. Oh, weird. So yeah, right after that was the chakra meditation. Also during the chakra meditation, they squirted orange at us. Oh, yeah. How could I forget that? Yeah. I'm hearing some noise. Okay. Oh, it's my oven warming up. I was going to make us cookies, but you can hear it. I can. Should I stop really? it? That's the oven? 
Yeah. That's cool. Well, hey, I'm not going to stop cookies. Okay. So Dr. Dream uh-huh. leading the meditation was telling us that we would get two scents. One was orange. And one was frankincense. What a great combination. Yeah, they were very nice. But you know who would have hated it? My dad. He can't stand the smell of orange. Ah, and our friend Heather. Oh, really? Yeah, she hates it. Like, it'll make her vomit. She hates orange oh my goodness. so much. Yeah, my dad would have run away from there Yeah, and refused to have stayed if there was a bunch of orange being sprayed in his face. It's also a common allergen. I was like, whoa, guys, like, maybe give people more notice than just... I mean, they, at least they warned before they did it. They did, but it was like seconds before. I feel like maybe a little more than that. But anyway. Okay. Um, so so yeah, there would be volunteers going through these aisles, these long banks of beach chairs and spraying us with, I assume, essential oils mixed into water. Right. But yeah, it smelled it great. It was pleasant. Yeah, yeah, I was all for it. Oh, yeah. He also called our bodies our meat suits. Meat suits. Which is something we had heard for the first time in Arkansas. And I looked it up and it is a common term in the UFO community. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So it's just supposed to imply that we're these corporeal beings. And for the time being, we're in these meat suits, these lumpy, gross meat suits that are just, you know, temporary. And we eventually slough them off and then we're back to our real selves. Cool. It's really a pejorative term. It just seems like a really dangerous idea in any culture separating you from your body Uh, or like having any care for your body or your living form. Yeah, yeah. That strikes me as being a little scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of the opposite of seeing your body as a temple, isn't it? Mm -hmm. That's interesting. And yeah, just making our human lives, which uh, as far as I know is all we've got, very worthless, really, Uh which is, yeah, worrisome to me. But even if you don't believe it's all you've got, there's got to be some middle ground. I like the middle ground of the people who believe in an afterlife but are still like my body's a temple. It's something Mm. to be treated well. Mm -hmm. That's quite nice. And it's weird to have the belief at the same time that this is my meat suit and don't eat GMOs. (laughs) That's true. And don't get vaccines. Right. Really? It's just your meat suit. Yeah, good point. Do whatever you want to it. Why not make it as meaty as you can? Yeah, that's a good point. So the way that this all ends, I think Giorgio looks like he can barely contain a giggle. And all the angels have to stand up and sort of windmill their way off the stage, including Giorgio, who (laughs) Uh has to awkwardly do his little windmill. And then a woman comes forward and sings a beautiful aria. Yeah, his his windmill, you would say, wasn't necessarily as committed as some of these other windmills. (laughs) Yeah, it was very cute. So this woman who sings an aria, she's wearing a Sikh garb, and her name is Amrit Kirtan. Amrit Kirtan. And... She talks very softly. She talks very softly. I looked her up. She is a woman from Hollywood, where we live, and she is a white woman who converted to Sikhism pretty recently, like in the last couple of years. She used to be an actress and a singer, and she kind of found her voice when she became a Sikh, she says. And her very soft <laughs> and she uh, yeah you sent something was up right away or at least you wanted to know what's her backstory yeah yeah you know it's kind of funny when she wrote her own bio she specifically said she became a Sikh after she met a white Sikh man and I was like you didn't need to tell us whether your boyfriend was white but okay maybe it was just that it was someone who hadn't been raised in that culture yeah like oh you can convert into it maybe that was the message she oh got. maybe yeah I don't know I I got kind of a weird feel from her. I don't know why. But Amrit Kirtan is uh, clearly her stage name because Amrit Kirtan is a phrase from... One of the mantras? No, but it's a Sikh phrase for basically a hymnal. 
Mm, okay. Yeah. Well, either way, she came up and she would sing songs in what language would that be? Probably Punjabi. That would make sense. Then she would sing songs in English. And all of it was said very much like, like this. this before she would she was very quiet. introduce a new song. And I she feel was very close to the microphone. She would be very popular doing ASMR videos. Oh, definitely. She's very quiet. But. We were particularly interested in the fact that there was a giant bug. She had a huge beetle. Climbing. A black beetle on the back of her shoulder. Over her shawl and shoulder and her head. It was probably approaching two inches long. She didn't notice it, though. And it got very close to her face. And we don't mean that it was there for two minutes. We mean it was there for approaching half an hour. (laughs) The beetle would disappear for a while. And we'd be like, oh, I guess it's gone now. Okay. But then it would come back and would get so close to her face. So close. We're looking at her blown up on this huge screen, close up on her face. So this beetle looks, you know, a good foot and a half long. Oh, my God. Crawling around on the screen. And other people can see it. Like people would point at it and be like, oh. And Carrie is just squirming. Oh, my God. Yeah. There was a moment where Ross was like, well, do you want to go? And I was like, I have to see what happens with the beetle. And at one point, a guy came on stage and we thought, oh, okay. He's going to come find this bug and get rid of it. Get rid of it. But no. Nope. Let the beetle do its thing. Yeah. What was he doing? He came on and was like, would you stay on stage and do backup while we do the next thing? And she was like, oh, I couldn't possibly say no. It's like, oh my God, no, get the bug off of her. Get the bug off this poor I just wondered what would happen, you know, to someone who is so soft-spoken. When all of a sudden she realizes there's a bug on her face. I really wanted to see it happen. Will she lose it? Yeah. She's like, ah, get Uh, off me. By the same token, I really Uh, uh. wanted to know like a year and a half ago before she was on Recruiting. I would like to know when she was just an actress in Hollywood. Like I want to find her real and just see if she's, it's just like her snapping gum in a Walgreens commercial or not. Yeah, maybe. I, I remember coming up later when she was still on stage. She stuck around for a long time and people were buying her CD. She was kind of passing that off to an assistant or something like, oh, may- maybe you could kind of handle you know, these sales. I was hoping, I thought it would be great if when the stage lights were off and everybody wasn't looking at her, all of a sudden, you know, she talks with a Brooklyn accent or something like, <laughs> get away from me. <laughs> no, she didn't do anything like that. No. It would have made for a great story, but This no. is 100% speculation. She stayed totally in character. Or maybe that's how she or, that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't catch all of the end of her talk because I wandered off into the night to see... Ross is doing a walking with his fingers motion. The Contact in the Desert Night Vision Skywatch at Orion's Lookout. Oh. So that was a nightly feature they had at least the first two nights. And I hadn't been there the previous night and I didn't want to miss it. And this was your opportunity to go find UFOs. And I said, that sounds very cold. (laughs) So I wandered off again into the dark. And this is the same night watch that Giorgio Suclo said that in previous years he had seen UFOs. (gasps) So I kind of wandered up. I hadn't been to that part of the campus yet. But there were signs pointing towards Orion's lookout. And I'd find little groups of people talking about... About things and then I'd see another sign. Oh, I got to keep going this way. So I did find it pretty quickly and it was removed enough from the camp that you could kind of see the lights from the camp, but you had a very good view of the 
stars. I was actually impressed how quickly you had a really good view of the stars. So I came up to this group and there was a line forming. And what they were doing was they were taking a few people at a time. They had, I think, 20 night vision goggles. There were a lot of them, however many there were. And so the idea was that you would pay $5 and then you would get five minutes with the night vision goggles to search through the sky and see UFOs. And so I was really debating back and forth, like, I don't know, do I want to spend $5 on this? Thankfully, part of me went out that said, yeah, why not? Of course, $5, you get to use night vision goggles and look at sure. with a bunch of UFO believers. So I was in line. And as I'm waiting, people are claiming that they see about 30 UFOs a night on average. Wow. I know. I'm like, uh. It sounds like we're leaning heavily on the U and UFO. Yeah. I was like, hmm, that, wow. Okay. I could see maybe three night being really impressive but now we're talking about something that's like really predictable Uh and that doesn't sound like ufos like they show up on command almost if you go out there's one woman who's sort of leading these proceedings and she's got a bullhorn which is totally ruining the mood you know just every now and then (laughs) okay i want you all to to look up here and wait a second how long have those people been on the night vision goggles only five minutes people five minutes (laughs) who's taking tickets who's taking tickets right now jennifer can you please take tickets (laughs) So it was it was taking away from the mystical atmosphere here. Uh, But yeah, I was waiting in this line for quite a long time. They were also warning us, you need to have your phones off. We don't want light from the phones messing with people's visions. That makes sense. So I was keeping my phone off. And they also wanted the five dollars and either your phone or your ID that you would hand over when you go to collateral. Exactly. Because they were saying that these night vision goggles are worth a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And so they were worried about losing those. Also, as I was waiting. Which did you give them? I give them my, my ID. ID. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would too. Also, as I was waiting in this line, there was one lady I heard and she was leaving the experience and someone asked her, hey, have you seen any UFOs today? She said, yes, actually, I saw one earlier. It was a large luminous object and it was moving all around in the sky during the day. And then I realized she was describing the plastic bag <laughs> from, <laughs> from David Wilcox's talk. Oh, God. I loved it. It was adorable because she was telling all excitedly about uh, tracking this UFO. But even David Wilcock was like, oh, come guys, on, guys. That's, you're making us look bad. Yeah. <laughs> so she was still talking about it as a UFO very sincerely and saying, oh, many people saw it. It was in front that, of the whole crowd. That much is true. So Many people did see it. Might be a little insight into how these things get started, maybe. Maybe mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. So finally, I did get my turn. It didn't feel like a full five minutes to me, but you know, time flies when you're having fun. So I got these night vision goggles, and this was legitimately cool. Like when you look through the night vision goggles, you really see the stars in sharp relief. Mm-hmm. And they were warning us, you know, don't get down too low. Don't look at headlights. You'll damage the goggles and your eyes. Don't do it. So, you know, kept them pointed up. And uh, every now and then you'd hit like the tree line. That was cool. The trees were kind of glowing in this view. And so what they would do is the the lady who was leading all of this, she had a laser pointer and a few other assistants had laser pointers. And so when they saw something that looked like a UFO, they would track it. Even before I had gotten the night vision goggles, they had found one object and they were tracking it. It was moving slowly through the sky and it was a faint light and so they would triangulate it and then that would get everybody who had the goggles to then find that point and then track the object and you're watching UFO. Mm -hmm. So they had found one of these and they were tracking it and I'm looking up at it with my naked eyes Mm -hmm. and saying, oh, that is a satellite. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> it was moving exactly like a satellite in a straight line, very slowly, uh-huh. but you could track it. So I mentioned this to the lady next to me. She said, oh, no, no, no. They say that they know how to spot a satellite, and this is not a satellite. Okay. Tell us about the characteristics of a satellite, then. They know they're not satellites because they change direction. Okay. And that would be impressive. Yeah, if this light had changed direction, I would have been impressed. But nope, the whole time they were triangulating it, it made one clear, solid path through the sky. Oh, uh-huh. It was a satellite. <laughs> And I I told the woman next to me, I said, well, I have an app where you can track major satellites. If you want, I could show you which one it is. And she wanted none of that. She was not interested. (laughs) And I I didn't want to get my foul phone light in front of everybody's eyes and messing with their night vision. Oh, sure. So I did keep it off. But it was so a satellite. I'm looking at these night vision goggles on Amazon. I'm curious to see if we can find something like the ones we're using and see how much they were. Was it like these $1,900 night vision goggles or like those $20 night vision goggles? Well, according to them, it, it didn't look anything like this. This has like this crazy headgear built into it. If I recall, they were like five hundred to a thousand dollars a piece, wow. somewhere in that range. Yeah, crazy. And they'd been donated by somebody who had a bunch of them. I, ca- okay. I can't remember if it was a dozen or two dozen or somewhere in that range, but there were a lot of them. And then you'd get your turn at a station. So when were they I- like binoculars? Yes. Exactly like binoculars, but night vision built into them. So by the time I had them on, they had found another object. And so I tracked it for a while, kept moving in a straight line, kept moving. Straight, straight, straight. Straight line, another satellite, but confirmed UFO for them. So I realized, okay, our standards for UFOs are pretty low uh-huh, right uh-huh. here right now and uh, then they wanted their goggles back after the quote unquote five minutes and I stuck around for a little while listening to people talk I think you came up somewhere around then yeah so I was off at a call-in meditation which I'll tell you about in a minute but when that was done I came up to try to find you I thought oh I'm just wasting time down here maybe I'll try to brave the cold and go find Ross I went up and first I thought thought I had found the lookout because as we know the signage around this area kind of confusing yes I see like all these signs that are like Orion's lookout Orion's lookout maybe it's pointing this way maybe it's pointing this way oh am I standing on it is this the lookout oh I'm so confused so I I end up in this kind of little cluster of people and they're all looking up so I'm like oh maybe I'm at it okay so I I stand there looking up and I'm (laughs) like is this it this is boring and I look around me and I realize the little cluster I'm in is kind of all VIPs like Giorgio's Sukalos is in it hey. and and a few other like speakers. speakers I recognize. Oh wow. So I'm kind of looking around like is this it? Oh, this is this is weird and I don't see Ross. But I just kind of keep quiet and then Giorgio Sukalos says, "Well, come here. Follow me." <laughs> to me and a couple other people standing with me and I'm just kind of confused and I start following him into a cabin. Well, yeah, when Giorgio <gasps> says, "Come with me." You Man, Ross, I blew it. I blew it. What I should have just done has been like, "Yes, this is what I'm supposed to do." and yes. followed him in. But it was just one of those moments where my brain was like, what? No, oh, no, no, no. I'm supposed to be doing this other thing. Oh, uh, he misunderstood. take over. Yes, but only because I was in a moment of confusion, Aww. you know? Bummer. And then I and I was like, oh, no, oh, this must not be it. This is the wrong thing. And I turned around and it was just enough time to turn around and be like, oh, okay, I must be, I'm supposed to go this way and then go, oh, no, 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 what am I doing? Oh, let's <laughs> to turn around. And then I turned around, but everyone had registered like, oh, she's not with us. Oh, no. And then I was like, oh, God damn it. That could have been such a good go story. Them and go into this cabin and not along like this Seriously. is the normal thing oh. to do. But... I probably would have done the exact same thing. Yeah. So annoying. So I continued on, but finally just continued on that path and found voices coming from the dark, which was you guys. So you got to hear the lady. (laughs) 
Yes, I heard her, yeah, really authoritatively calling into the night. Louise, do you have any tickets? Please turn in your tickets or we do not get paid. Yeah, that's... Do you want to get paid? (laughs) That's the kind of thing I heard, all right. (laughs) A lot of angry shouting into the void. (laughs) It was mystical other than that. And I heard her saying, oh, yeah, we we see UFOs every night. Yeah, it was was such a assured thing. And she said she was from Utah, I think. And that there they see them every night, too. I don't know. It almost like removed the aura of it. Yeah, if there's that quotidian, well, like, what does that mean? What does that say that UFOs yeah. are just whizzing by constantly? What are they doing? Yeah. How impressed should I be then? How many are there? Are they all from the same race? I, I'd be really curious to hear what they think the aliens are doing flying about in their UFOs. Or right. They and then is everyone UFOs? just an experiencer? Like, should these experiencer yeah. panels just be full of everyone who was here tonight? That's I mean, what, yeah, I never expected that frequency to even be claimed. Right. I would have expected to go into that and then say, oh, we might get lucky. Right. And here's some stories of three or four that we saw last year. Right. And maybe tonight will be one of the nights. Yeah. But no, they're like, oh. And if not, you know, because even when you go whale watching, they're like, now, if we don't see one, that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, maybe we'll get lucky. Often we see dolphins. Dolphins, you know, are very beautiful too. Mm-hmm. No. We have a lot of other talking points in case they don't show up. <laughs> right. Please don't ask for your money back if that's the case. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so that was a genuine surprise to me. Yeah. Well, I was off doing a call-in meditation. With people named Colin? No, with a guy named... There's a bunch of guys named Colin at my work, and I keep telling them that they need to have the Colin show. Uh Uh-huh. And where they they have a number up and the whole show, they just get people calling them on that number and they berate them like, why are you calling in? Who do you think you are that you can be on our show? This is the, is your name Colin? We were talking here. Maybe they could have only people named Colin call. Well, then that would be fine. That would be a Colin show. I don't think I would ever get tired of that joke. No, the guy was named James... James Gilliland? Yes. And what was James Gilliland doing? He was doing the guided Colin meditation. So not Colin as in Colin Firth and not Colin as in Colin Show, but Colin as in calling the spirits into oneself. Oh, a hitherto unknown Colin. Yes. I would not have interpreted it that way from hearing it. So James Gilliland is a minister, counselor, lecturer, and best-selling author. He has appeared on Get This Wrong numerous TV and radio shows. Got it. He's dedicated to the awakening and healing of humanity and the earth. And he (laughs) has documented much of the amazing phenomena that have occurred at his private ranch, the Assetti Ranch. Visit Assetti.org. Whoa, wait, what? Yeah, I don't know. That's what his bio says. E said, oh, E... C-E-T-I. See, this gets really confusing because, first of all, you have the reputable SETI, Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence, though many going here would not agree that it is reputable. Sure. And then you have C-SETI, which is created by Stephen Greer. Ah, okay. Which is Center for the Study of Extraterrestrial Intelligence. Confusing, right? Yes. And now apparently you have ESETI by James Gilliland. Enlightened contact with extraterrestrial intelligence. All right. I am hereby calling a moratorium on using SETI anywhere (laughs) in the name of your alien organization. It's been done. Just until we've memorized them all, at least. Right. Give us time. Oh, but if you go to the website, you can see some ultra dimensional orb photos. Anyway, so he led our call in meditation. First, he said, if you want to say hi to some ETs, just talk to the person next to you because we were all terraformed once upon a time so we are all aliens Ah, 
Oh. Uh, uh, meaning our planet was terraformed. Right. We were not personally terraformed. Right. Our ancestors. Uh, oh, okay. All oh, right. Clever. Yeah, we're all like, okay. Yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. I get you. Okay. So then when we start doing the meditation, he's like, okay, okay. There are some beings who are here. And guess what they took the form of? Beetles? No. Owls? No, oh, that would have been good. Oh, okay. oh, I wish I could tell you that. I almost <laughs> wish I almost want to lie to you and say yes, but no. <laughs> okay, what was it? Huge cats. Huge cats. <laughs> Whoa. He said there were big cats. And he said he sees them sometimes and they were goofy. They were acting like really goofy so they wouldn't scare us and that they looked kind of like lions. So I'm picturing these like these bipedal goofy lions were like, hi, Carrie. Oh, that is a screen memory if ever I've heard of one. <laughs> yeah, totally. I'm going to take a wild leap here. I'm guessing he saw these in his mind's eye. I think that was the impression. And we that they did not get. walk up on the stage. <laughs> great if he was like now if you're seeing this then you have a great third eye <laughs> was this in the amphitheater still yeah okay i'm glad you stayed yeah oh man so he's like yeah no i i see these beings sometimes and they're not dangerous but they know that they can be overwhelming so they like to act goofy so you won't be afraid they're very friendly okay now i have my eyes open this whole time because i'm taking notes mm -hmm. but everyone else presumably has their eyes shut as he's told us to do so he says now you might feel a flashing through your body and that's good that's your body acclimating but i have my eyes open and there is a green flashing on the screen that's every few seconds oh yeah it's oh, just this cheating. green flash that just comes and like you it's might a nanosecond a <laughs> yeah that's deceptive and who who wouldn't at least open their eyes to check like what's the green thing yeah i know I know, it's so clear. Did you see anybody else, whether they were opening their eyes to look at that? If That's they what did, I would have checked for. I didn't see for. them do it. Okay, but he was trying to make it sound like it was just something. In internal. Hmm. Okay, <laughs> James Gilliland. <laughs> so weird. I mean, I'm thinking if he sat here now, he'd be like, oh, I wasn't trying to say that, you know, mm -hmm. but it's the way he made it sound. Uh -huh. He also mentioned that Andromedans are- From the from other galaxy, Andromeda. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's a long trip. Right. That they come and visit us. Oh, wow. And they're also known as archangels. So when we hear of archangels in our holy texts, that's just another word for Andromedans. Well, now I'm hung up on this because, all right, I can see traveling within the Milky Way already that's- vast distance covered but from andromeda i i guess if you're folding space time somehow you might mm -hmm. as well do it from there have you ever considered this ross anything is possible that's what Philippians 4.13 told me. There you go. Uh, yeah, that was pretty much those were the key points of our call-in meditation. That sounds pretty fantastic. Yeah, so I had goofy lions within. So after I came back from the observation of the UFOs and you were done with your call-in meditation, we saw everyone kind of striking the set stage. The, you know, things were getting put away for the night. There was supposed to be a film screening. Zechariah Sitchin, his last presentation and predictions before his death. All right. Sounds great. Time yeah. for a movie. Yeah, I would like to have seen that. Except, well, two things. One, it was at 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. And it had been a long day. Yeah. My eyes were getting pretty tired. And second thing, they weren't showing it. It seemed like everybody was getting yeah, ready to leave for the night. Yeah, they up. And there was no announcement about no. it. So I guess they just decided not to show it. Yeah. Hopefully oh, we well. get to see that at some point. That sounds interesting to me. 
So we went back to our Airbnb for the night and got ourselves ready to come back for more on Sunday, which we will tell you about in our next episode. Yes, we will. Well, that's it for our show. Our producer and co-editor is Ian Kramer. And our theme music is by Brian Keith Dalton. You should visit us at facebook.com forward slash onrack, where you will find pictures and comments and video and all kinds of fun things. And you can support this investigation and all our investigations by going to maximumfun.org forward slash donate. Our donors happen to be our favorite people on the planet well, and any other planet. Well, my favorite persons are Drew, Ella, and Dick Van Dyke. And Ella doesn't donate because she's a dog. And I don't know if Dick Van Dyke donates. Boy, he'd be perfect then. If he donated? Yeah. I know. Maybe we can get him to be a donor. So you've got Drew, Ella, Dick Van Dyke, probably a whole bunch of elder dogs, and then our listeners. Right. In that <laughs> That's order. correct. Well, I put you all at the very top. <laughs> And then my wife and son. (laughs) That's very good. If they they ever start donating to the show, they can regain their status. (laughs) That's fair. You can also find us on iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you happen to get your podcasts. Leave us a positive review there so other people can find us and tell all your friends. And you can also follow us on Twitter. Did you guys know we have a Twitter? We tweet. We're at Ono oh Podcast. See, I would have said we have a tweet and we Twitter. You would have gotten it I don't all know wrong these things. You're not on Twitter. Carrie handles all that. <laughs> and remember. We now make our way up to the sacral chakra. Sacral chakra is all about our emotions and relationships. It is another spot that we hold a lot of our fears and our stresses in. And and the statement for the sacral chakra is, I am creative. Mugs, shirts, stickers, patches, tanks, and more are yours for the purchasing at MaxFunStore.com. Hey, you already love the podcasts, so why not take this to the next level and outfit your home and bod with our merch? MaxFunStore.com. Because if you have to wear a shirt, it should be one of ours. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.